Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. It's kind of funny, actually a bit unfortunate, how we're led to believe certain healthy truths our entire lives, even after those truths have been totally debunked, we still kind of believe them. Classic sayings like breakfast is the most important meal of the day, or honey is healthier than cane sugar, or coffee can stunt childhood growth and development, and that cracking your knuckles leads to arthritis. They are so deeply embedded in our culture that most people continue to follow along despite overwhelming evidence that they simply aren't true. Now, if you're one of those people, you are not alone. I am just as guilty. In fact, I have done my own fair share of honoring old health myths well into my 30s. Like I totally bought into the fat-free craze and developed insulin resistance as a result. Like that myth was doing nobody any favors. There's no doubt that following bad, or in this case, incorrect health advice can be harmful. So today, I'd like to clear the air on some of the most common health myths that have been debunked to help you make better, more well-researched back decisions when it comes to your health and overall well-being. Now, some of these may surprise you, and some of them may not. So buckle up and let's bust some myths together. Starting with number one, skipping breakfast is bad for you. This one tops the list because you've probably heard the expression, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, thousands of times since childhood. And while I could argue that sometimes it actually is, studies have shown that it's not necessarily true. Breakfast can play an important and essential role as it allows us to replenish our body with energy after several hours without food. It may also improve cognitive function and help with weight control. Now, some research also suggests that Americans who did not eat breakfast tended to have poor diet quality and were more likely to be deficient in specific nutrients. In individuals with insulin resistance, prediabetes, and diabetes, not eating breakfast was associated with more significant glucose spikes after eating. However, practices like intermittent fasting and early time-restricted eating shows that it may be possible to lose weight, decrease cholesterol levels, and blood sugar levels while you are in a fasted state, which I am a huge fan of. Another factor here is the quality of breakfast that you're eating. A bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios with a Starbucks vanilla latte is always a bad choice because you're going to send your blood sugar through the roof, crash an hour later, develop cravings, and over time end up with metabolic dysfunction or worse. If you do choose to eat breakfast, make sure you're building a metabolically healthy meal every time, which includes a good balance of protein, healthy fats, and fiber. I show you how to do this in great detail in my new metabolic and hormone reset course, which you can find in the show notes after this show because it is available now. Number two, all carbs are bad for you. I probably don't need to tell you that carb overload is almost never a good idea, especially the carbs that you get from sugary, heavily ultra-processed foods. But are all carbs the enemy? No. Just like we were going through that fat-free craze, I see that we are going through a carb-free craze in a way right now, and I want you to know that not all carbs are created equal. There are two types of carbs, right? Simple and complex. Simple carbs are the ones that can really drive your blood sugar, right? You can find these in things like white rice, Twinkies, bread, 
crackers, cupcakes, right? They quickly break down into our digestive system and can drive blood sugar levels pretty quickly. Now, complex carbs are a very different story. They are higher in fiber and nutrients. They are slower to digest, which helps you absorb the sugar more slowly into the bloodstream and include foods such as legumes, whole grains, and potatoes. Complex carbs supply our body with vital energy, have a lower glycemic index, can lower cholesterol levels, promote gut and heart health, and even help to blunt a blood sugar spike. Now, while you should limit your carbs in general or pair them with protein and fat, I want you to know that complex carbs are always the way to go and you need them to function at an optimal level. I mean, vegetables are complex carbs. Fruit is a complex carb. These are important in terms of fiber, nutrients, and polyphenols and all the other amazing benefits that those beautiful foods bring to the table. Now, if you're still having blood sugar issues, I want you to know that there are ways to bring in complex carbs and do it in a way that really supports your metabolism, your blood sugar, and your overall energy levels, right? It's all about specifically pairing your carbs with healthy fats and proteins and really creating metabolically healthy meals. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to create my brand new metabolism and hormone reset course is I wanted to give you a blueprint for creating metabolically healthy meals that really not only address your gut, your liver, and your hormones, but also address your mitochondria, your blood sugar, and ultimately, you know, how we manage our weight. So just note that there are ways in which we can incorporate all of them, but at the end of the day, all carbs are not bad for you. It's just a matter of eating foods that are really going to nourish your body and making sure that you're pairing those carbs with other really metabolically healthy foods so you have a complete meal that is really supporting you cell to soul. All right, number three. Fruits are bad for people with prediabetes and diabetes. Who here avoids all fruit because of the sugar content, especially fruits like mango, bananas, and grapes? Now, I want to help you break that habit with some delicious options that won't rock your blood sugar. Yes, a big bowlful of grapes on their own is going to spike your blood sugar. That is 100% going to happen. But I want you to know that fruits are a delicious source of important phytonutrients, fiber, vitamins, and minerals, all essential for our overall health, especially our microbiome health. Like fruit wasn't made for us. It was made for our microbiome. That's, that is how it works, right? We want to make sure that we are giving our microbiome all of that yummy fiber and all of the beneficial nutrients that come with fruit. Now, because many fruits tend to be higher in sugar, some people falsely believe that eating fruit can contribute to diabetes or worsen the condition. However, sugar content in fresh fruit occurs naturally which is quite different from added sugars or, you know, fruit juices or fruit smoothies. You know, the things that we're often thinking about when we think about a blood sugar spike and crash. In fact, according to the American Diabetes Association, most individuals with prediabetes or diabetes can include fruit as a part of a safe and healthy diet. Choosing fruits with low glycemic index, things like apples, berries, cherries, and kiwi, or pairing fruit with a source of protein, such as plain Greek yogurt, or maybe almond butter, like I love apples and almond butter, may help if you're concerned about sugar intake. However, as long as you control your portion sizes and eat mindfully, 
eating fruit is perfectly healthy for everybody, especially people with prediabetes and diabetes. Again, it's just about being mindful about how we eat our fruit and pairing it with foods that really support us, again, with that full metabolic framework in mind. Number four, this is a big one. Actually, one of my best friends asked me about this two days ago on Father's Day. Here's the myth. Eggs increase cholesterol levels. So eggs increase cholesterol levels. Now, if you've done my 14-day detox, you do know that I pull eggs out of the equation when possible. And the reason why I do that during my detox is because eggs can drive food sensitivities in certain people, and they just may not know it. Even grains can do this. So I often pull eggs for 14 days so that we can just see if there's any sensitivities. I am not concerned about eggs and cholesterol. It's more so, are eggs disrupting your gut microbiome and you just didn't know it? Now, eggs, when organic, non-GMO, and pasture-raised, that's the ticket. And I get that eggs are super expensive right now, but pasture-raised eggs are the ticket. These are an excellent source of protein, choline for your brain, and I cannot emphasize how important it is to get adequate amounts of choline every single day. Um, And they are a great source of protein on top of that. Research has debunked the myth that they lead to higher cholesterol in the body. The reason we were led to believe this is actually tied to higher levels of trans fats, unhealthy saturated fats, as well as excess consumption of simple carbs and added sugar. Basically, what's driving these unhealthy lipid levels in the body is not only insulin resistance and added sugar, but also ultra-processed foods. Now, are eggs a processed food? Yes, but they're definitely not an ultra-processed food, especially if you are getting organic pasture-raised eggs. So again, I want you to just remove this myth from your vocabulary because eggs in moderation can be a staple of a wonderful, healthy diet. All right, moving on to number five. And honestly, this became a myth that I started to believe because of my own journey. So sweet potatoes will always spike your blood glucose. Now, I'm not going to lie. I love sweet potatoes. Now, I'm not saying that I eat one by itself first thing in the morning, because let me tell you, that will spike my blood sugar. But sweet potatoes are typically considered a healthy option due to their high vitamin A content, and they have so many wonderful antioxidants. Still, people with insulin resistance or even prediabetes, or even people without insulin resistance, like myself, may wonder if they're safe to eat without causing blood sugar spikes. While it's true that sweet potatoes are high in carbs, they also contain a ton of fiber that can help balance out glucose levels. Some of the confusion around sweet potatoes may lie around their glycemic index, which can vary depending on their cooking method. Boiling sweet potatoes keep the resistant starches intact and lower their glycemic index, slowing digestion and regulating glucose levels. However, if you were to bake a sweet potato or roast a sweet potato, that may be a whole different situation. Do sweet potatoes sometimes cause a glucose spike? Uh, Yeah, sure they do. They have with me many times, but this doesn't always mean that they will. Boiling potatoes, cooking them and letting them cool off, or even pairing them with a protein are a few easy ways to help blunt potential spikes. However, remember that people respond differently to certain foods, So it's essential to determine what works best for you. And an excellent way to find out is using a tool like a continuous glucose monitor or a glucose meter. Again, different foods are going to affect different people's bodies. 
And I will say that sweet potatoes have been known to spike blood glucose levels. But if we are smart about it and we pair them with other foods and we don't eat them just by themselves with brown sugar and, you know, and and honey or maple syrup, we won't see that blood sugar spike. So I don't want you to roll out sweet potatoes altogether. It, you know, I love to pair them with a salad. I love to pair them with salmon. So again, we can get really creative and make them work for our bodies. Number six, women get bulky by lifting weight. Now this one is very close to me. I used to opt not to lift heavy weights for this reason. And most people I talk to can agree because not all of us want to end up getting toned or too muscular. However, this is very much a myth. I am all for lifting heavy weights. Um, It is really difficult for us to get bulky. We have to work so hard at it. Most of us will never, ever come close. Um, So growing muscle requires consistent resistance training, adequate sleep recovery, and high protein and calorie intake. Let's be honest, most of us are not getting enough adequate protein or we're not resistance training enough with heavy enough weights to even maintain good metabolic health. This is one of the major facets of my new course of how we can leverage resistance training and adequate protein intake to just maintain the muscle that we have so that we don't actually lose it. This is essential for women considering that weight training is going to save our metabolic health. Lifting weights is highly beneficial not only to burn calories and to boost our resting metabolic rate, but to stay in shape, improve blood sugar control, to stay strong, to have endurance, and again, to maintain muscle mass and longevity for a longer, healthier life. The one thing you can always just want to keep mindful of is just listen to what your body's telling you. I know recently I did an episode where I ended up accidentally overtraining this year, and that led to some pretty serious fatigue. So you just want to be mindful of where you're at when you're training during your cycle, um, that you are not overdoing it, um, and that, you know, again, you are doing it in a way that is enjoyable and that feels good to you. So again, this myth definitely needs to be busted, especially right now where more than ever, we're needing to lift heavier in a way that serves us and we need to really maintain that muscle mass. All right, myth number eight, gluten-free foods are healthier for everyone. Ooh, I get it. I am gluten-free, and I have a little story to share. So um, my my son's two-and-a-half birthday party was a couple weekends ago, and that particular weekend, I was experiencing a trifecta of issues. One, I've been dealing with this chronic fatigue issue, And we finally have solved the puzzle. Number two, I ended up getting a minor concussion seven days prior. So I was super brain foggy. And three, I was literally starting my period the day that we were throwing the birthday party. So this trifecta of things coming on um, made me just really struggling. I was on the struggle bus. I had very um, little mental reserve and I was just really run down. And so One of the things that I forgot to do was order a gluten-free, dairy-free cake for Kingston's two-and-a-half birthday party. Um, So instead, I went to Whole Foods and I got a vegan, but a gluten-vegan birthday cake. actually ended up leaving that cake out because I was so tired. I totally forgot to put it in the fridge. And by the next morning, because I bought it the night before, 
it fell like the cake fell. So I had to go back to Whole Foods and get another cake with that was a gluten and dairy cake. It was a cookies and cream cake. So I had two cakes. I had a vegan gluten cake and a gluten and dairy cake. And by the end of the party and the weekend, I was so tired that I ended up eating the gluten um, vegan birthday cake. And I, I ate it twice. Like I ate like a half a piece of cake one day and another half a piece of cake the next day because I just needed something. I was like, you know, I can cheat, right? On the third day, like this was Saturday and Sunday, by Monday, I had a rash on my hand. And I immediately knew that that rash came from eating gluten. It was, I never, ever, ever eat it. And so for some of us, especially with autoimmune conditions, things like Hajimoto's thyroiditis, or with a really overactive immune system, or celiacs, or something going on, gluten may need to be off the table. And if you're dealing with symptoms and nothing's clearing it, um, it may be worth, especially rashes or like eczema, it's worth clearing gluten and dairy. If you ever do one of my 14-day detoxes, you're going to know that I 100% pull dairy and gluten off the table because so many of us may need it. But if is it right for everybody? I mean, my son can eat it. He mostly eats a gluten-free diet. But again, a gluten cake for his birthday, not a big deal. He's doing fine by it. My husband can totally eat gluten right? So gluten is is one of those things that you kind of just got to play with yourself. I am a fan of avoiding gluten. I absolutely personally need to avoid it since you know my story. Um, and if you didn't know what gluten is, gluten is a protein found in wheat and appears in everyday items such as bread, pasta, beer, and sauces like soy sauce, right? I mean, the list of gluten items is pretty extensive. Um, and luckily, we live in a world where you can get almost anything gluten-free these days. Now, people with celiac disease and, again, autoimmune conditions avoid consuming gluten as it causes painful damage to their small intestine. However, only 1% of the global population are thought to suffer from this condition, particularly celiac disease. It's also possible to be gluten intolerant without having celiac disease, in which case limiting gluten products is necessary. That would be me. However, people with no known history of gluten sensitivity, limiting gluten has not been observed to have any additional scientifically proven benefits. You could end up missing out on some other key nutrients on a purely gluten-free diet. But worse than anything, don't let clever marketing or the gluten-free label derail you from making good food choices. I'll be honest with you, a lot of gluten-free products on the market are highly processed. They are crazy ultra-processed foods. A lot of times manufacturers will slap the gluten-free label on as a way to push their product. I mean, alcohol, a lot of alcohol is gluten-free. What have I seen? You know, corn, gluten-free. Again, if you have a gluten-free issue, you may have a corn issue, but it's amazing to me. I will see it on chip bags. I will, I mean, all these ultra-processed foods, I will see gluten-free and it's still loaded with added sugar, chemical ingredients, natural flavors, and other harmful additives. The trick is to just be mindful when reading the nutritional label and if you do not have a gluten problem um, and food is high quality and organic, it still may be very okay for you. So just a heads up, you know, not all of us need to be gluten-free, but also note that if they're putting a gluten-free label on some things, it's just worth looking at for sure. All right, leading me to number nine, cutting out all sugar keeps you healthy. The key word here is all. I recently dedicated an entire podcast and really shared the 10 massive benefits of cutting out added sugar. But not all sugar, right? There's a huge difference. Note 
added sugar was the name of the game for that particular episode. And I will link that particular episode in the show notes because that was a highly listened to episode because I think a lot of people want to know why they should break up with added sugar. Mind-blowingly, research has found that American adults consume three times the recommended daily sugar intake, which is concerning, right, in and of, in of itself. However, completely cutting out sugar is not only extremely difficult, but also not typically recommended as a part of a balanced diet. Honestly, it's impossible. Let's just be real with it. You know, when it comes to telling someone to 100% cut out added sugar or sugar, mm, I mean, you just tell them, I mean, it's it just... It feels so hard and it just feels a little bit ridiculous. Sugar plays a vital role in providing our body with energy. Rather than eliminating it, aim to limit foods with added sugar and little nutritional value and focus on building metabolically healthy meals using whole foods and incorporating low glycemic index fruits and veggies whenever possible. Many natural sugars are very vitamin and nutrient rich foods like fruits and vegetables. Research also suggests that natural sugars do not share any adverse effects of added sugars in items such as fruit juice and other sugary drinks. However, consuming added sugar in excess have been linked to obesity, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, and even some cancers. Like we know added sugar is not good for us. We know ultra processed foods are not good for us. And that's really the name of the game. Again, you can find the entire blueprint for modifying your life in these standards of health in my new metabolism and hormone reset course. Like if you're looking for a way to navigate the sugar struggle and looking for a way to reduce, significantly reduce ultra processed foods and build a meal plan, a weekly meal plan that is driven to support your metabolism, my newest course is literally the blueprint you have been looking for. Now, Last but not least is number 10. I've been hearing this so much and it's so easy to believe. I get it. The myth is sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is the new smoking is a claim that has been around for about uh, a decade or so and it's not without merit. Research has shown that sitting for extended periods of time and specifically I'm talking about a sedentary lifestyle can lead to obesity, cancer, metabolic syndrome, and heart disease. While this research is vital to consider, some scientists have countered this argument with the assertion that the act of sitting itself may not necessarily be the root cause of these health conditions. Instead, a lack of physical activity may be behind some adverse health effects of a sedentary lifestyle. When you find yourself sitting for eight hours in the office all day, it can be hard to find time to exercise, especially if you have a family to tend to and all the other endless obligations. But prioritizing movement in any way is really the ticket to some epic longevity. If you work from home, get a standing desk and take five-minute breaks every hour to stretch your legs. If you commute to work, walking or biking or parking further away if work is, is just too far to walk or bike to help combat the effects of too much sitting. As often as possible, take 10 to 15-minute walks after meals not only to move your body, but to reap the many benefits, including balancing your hormones and blood sugar, better circulation, boosting your digestive system, and also boosting your mood and so much more. I will tell you that walking after meals is probably the most underrated and most powerful healthy habit that you can begin to integrate today. Like if you're not able to walk, you know, 10,000 steps a day, no worries, even 7,500 steps a day, which is what I consider the bare minimum, 
to move into an active lifestyle, at the very least, walk after meals, especially after dinner. Like that one habit alone will transform your health. Well, there you have it. They are the 10 myths that you can instantly let go of so you can start honoring your body with better healthy choices for yourself and your family. Again, I just want to mention that if you find any of this content interesting or want to dive a lot deeper into the root causes of all issues when it comes to your hormones, your metabolism, your blood sugar, your energy levels, I'm telling you, I have got exactly what you're needing. You are going to want to check out my new Metabolism and Hormone Reset course. It is jam-packed with everything you need to heal and reverse your symptoms, and it's really the first kind of course and program out there on the market at a tiny fraction of the cost. Um, I'm telling you, I have priced this so low that it beats out any comprehensive metabolic program by hundreds and hundreds of dollars. One of the things that make this particular course and program so unique is the fact that it has both. So the course component of my metabolism and hormone reset course is seven modules. I, I tackle modules in creating metabolically healthy meals, how to reverse insulin resistance and, uh, and blood sugar issues, um, circadian rhythm, and how to get deep restorative sleep. I have an entire module, which is module seven, on how to optimize your metabolic hormones. This is a three-hour module. Honestly, it's a course in its own right, um, but I break it into multiple videos so that it's easy to digest. And then on top of this seven-module course component that walks you through resetting your metabolism, your mitochondria, and your hormone health, I also made sure to include a program component, a 30-day program component that addresses metabolism and your hormones. And the reason why I did this is that so many women really want to just have a 30-day blueprint and program that they can implement immediately with epic results. And then there's other women who just don't have the time to do that right now, but they want to be empowered and educated about their health and their body, and they want to be able to pick a place based on where they're at in their journey to get started, based on their most disruptive symptoms. Maybe it's too much stress, or it's really poor quality sleep, or it's really crazy wonky circadian rhythms, or it's that they're consuming way too much ultra-processed food in terms of takeout and chocolate and all the things, right? So wherever it is that you are in your journey, this program is designed to support you in such an incredible way and really get you to the finish line as long as you commit to just, well, commit to yourself is really what it comes down to. I have created it and designed it in a way that if you just work it, work the course starting with module one, you are already 50% to the finish line. That is how I've built this program and this course. Also, I have over 15 guides in this. Recipe guides, blood sugar hack guides, belly slim down recipe guide, how to assess your metabolic function, um, labs. I mean, name it across the board. You've got everything you need to create the, a body that is really working for you, not against you. And then as a sexy bonus, I have created the How to Fix Your Hormones Masterclass. This is addressing all of the other hormones that are not your metabolic hormones. And this is a two and a half hour masterclass that really walks you through all of the root causes, the five biggest hormonal imbalances, and the most comprehensive protocols to address each one of those hormone issues. 
in a way that you can execute with ease and grace. So again, I'm gonna have the link in the show notes for my brand spanking new metabolism and hormone reset course. It is open enrollment and you can start with as little as, I wanna say $49 on our payment plan. So again, I'm excited to offer this to you. And I know that with this course and program, you are going to transform your body and your health in such a beautiful way that you're not even going to recognize yourself like 30 days down the road. Again, if this episode has brought you anything new, interesting, or exciting, please subscribe to the show and take a moment and rate the show as well so that more women who are looking to become the CEO of their health have this beautiful podcast as a resource. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.